Part of being an American Airman is accepting the responsibility that training is paramount. We train for this, we train for that. We train for war, we train for peacetime. We train to become better at who and what we are. A premier organization with a worldwide reputation for excellence. Excellence doesn't come without training, and we can thank our education trainers, our IG team, our supervisors. Pretty much any individual you come in contact with is responsible for training in some way, shape, or form. Without it, we would be nothing. I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair, and this is the Maniac Radio Show. Without training and readiness, we would be that guy or gal that fires an M4 at the range with the buttstock resting on their chin. But we have Cadam to help us with that, and thankfully, at the 101st, and I would imagine at every other base as well, one of the biggest contributors for training is our emergency management team. Natural disasters like tornadoes or hurricanes, or man-made like chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear incidents, these are all horrible things to think about. But they happen, and our EM specialists are pros. Not only do they train to respond to these types of things, but they train the rest of us on how to respond as well. It's kind of a big responsibility when you think about it. Big shoes to fill. But they do it. They're the best at it. Tech Sergeant Luke Marquis is one of these pros. He's a 12-year vet with three tours of duty under his belt, and he's here to talk to us about the world of emergency management. Our whole goal is to be prepared. Be prepared and be able to assist the local community with the domestic operations. We have a mobile emergency operations center that can go anywhere um, in New England. We've taken it to the past inauguration, but day-to-day uh, -day just maintaining a lot of equipment, uh, working on plans, working on base with the emergency management representatives in each different squadron. Uh, just basically, and you know, uh, periodically training with uh, local um, police, fire, EMS. We work with Bangor PD quite a bit, state police. We've worked with the FBI before. Uh, we have a mutual aid agreement with Orno Hazmat. So if they need more people, we'll go help them. There's the 11th uh, civil support team out of Waterville, Maine. We share a lot of the same, um, I guess, a lot of the same uh, attributes. We're all DOD certified hazardous um, technicians. Uh, we're all trained in chemical, um, biological, radiological, and nuclear. Um, so we do sampling. Um, we can presumptively identify unknown substances. That's um, from drugs to explosives to you know, whatever hazmat you can think of. So that's pretty wild. So you guys are like, you, I mean, you're kind of like, uh, you know, when I think of networking, I guess that would be the, that'd be the best word I'd think of. Like you guys network, you guys have a lot of partners. You guys have, you work with a lot of people. You get to know a lot of people within the state of Maine. The highlight of your job on a day-to-day -day basis isn't what you are doing. It's more about what could happen. So your, your specialty is preparing for the worst and that's when you guys thrive in. Same thing with security. You know, they're, they, they're not taking down bad guys every day, but if they had to, they, they will. And that's what they're, that's what they're for. And that's what you guys are. Absolutely. Doing. That's why we, you know, uh, be ready. That's our thing. Be ready for, you know, whatever, if it's a man-made disaster, if it's a natural disaster, hurricanes, um, 
basically we prepare for the unknown. And granted, does it happen day to day? No, but when it does happen, we have a, um, a tool set that we can use and apply to make sure everything is streamlined. I mean, we're in coordination with um, the main emergency management agency, MEMA. Uh, we work with the, the Penobscot County uh, emergency management um, as well, you know, like up to FEMA level stuff. So absolutely you're correct. We, we have, we're, we have a very broad spectrum and we talk to a lot of people, you know, on base and off base. So I think that's a big part of the career field. Like when I think about the guard, it's, uh, you may not necessarily be full-time and the, the majority of our, our fighting, our fighting force is not full-time, they're traditionals. So you take your training, you know, that's, that's the big, always been the big appeal to me is you take the training you learn here and you could apply that in the civilian sector with you guys specifically, not only having the network ties and, and having the valuable skills that you guys learn in your career fields, the opportunities are vast, you know, not, not like with me, like we're being a photographer or a videographer, it's probably what you're going to do somewhere on the outside. That's, that's, which is great. You know, and I, I would enjoy doing that, but you have all these different agencies you could go out and work for given the skills you learned while you were in the guard or, you know, still in the guard, um, which is, which is pretty cool. I, th I also thought that was kind of neat about your guys' career field. Um, you mentioned, I always call it the Batmobile, but you guys mentioned the, the uh, emergency operations center. Is that, is that what it's called? The mobile emergency operations center. And again, I always kind of called it the Batmobile because when you walk in, into it, it kind of looks like you got all these cool screens and neat little gadgets and whatnot. But what, what is the purpose behind that thing? So the purpose behind the mobile emergency operations center um, is to more or less serve the community. This is not like a military specific piece of equipment. Um, it's part of the domestic operations um, a package that the National Guard Bureau has put out. So um, with this, we call it the MEOC for short, it covers all of New England. So if there's a hurricane, a flood, um, an ice storm, or um, man-made disaster, we take this trailer and we'll bring it down for the people that are responding to the emergency to work out of. So. We're the stewards of it. We might not be operating out of it, but like whoever's on scene, like if you could have local fire, police, EMS, um, FBI, whoever is involved in that incident, we set up shop and we have uh, a 4G package, you know, for internet. We have um, satellite, you know, internet as well. We have the ability to record stuff. We have a camera mask on the top of it. I was going to ask you if you had, uh, you know, with, with your 4G, I, I just, I'd assume that was how you guys operated, but what happens like if a hurricane does come through and take out your 4G tower, so you guys have a satellite backup type thing. Absolutely. That That's the reason. And the reason we have it is because Maine, you know, basically more or less north of Bangor, it's very rural. There's not a lot of, you know, basically the residents. Oh yeah. The population goes down quite a bit. And we have an international border as well. Well, this is the only um, trailer in the state of Maine like this with these capabilities. There's some, um, I think uh, Portland has something similar. Bangor um, PD has something similar. But this has a very robust ability to um, be able to set up shop, hand it over to the first responders or whoever's working the scene and say, here you go, what do you need? Um, in communication, we have a communications package in there that's absolutely outstanding. Like I can have on-scene commander um, patch him from his cell phone 
to say um, state police on their radio and then patch the state police to the Joint Operations Center in Augusta. That's cool. And if we wanted to really, you know, um, put it out there, we could communicate to different states, different countries, you know. So it's has very robust ability. So it's like the Batmobile. Yeah, more or less. Okay. So, so how, how much do you guys charge an hour for this? Like if, uh, you know, if the state police want to borrow it if, or if uh, someone needs to take it out? So essentially, um, we don't actually charge, but um, more or less, I don't know how the money works, but we are getting paid, you know, our, our hourly wage or if we're on orders or whatever, you know, that's how that works. Um, we do work, you know, they put in a request for it and if basically it goes through the right channels, gets approved. We've done air shows, um, a lot of training events as well. Like we've been to Rhode Island, went to, we brought it to the last inauguration as well. What was that like? It was very interesting to say the least, uh, just because there's, I think we had like 13 of these trailers from all across the country and they pre-positioned them all throughout um, uh, DC and they were set up to be uh, backup for the JISC. Basically, they can set up shop anywhere and you'll have internet, phones, secure internet as well. So if those failed, then the Miocs were gonna be, you know, in ready to rock and roll. But uh, we are uh, on Joint Base Andrews, that's our rear um, station to be, but it, it was very interesting. Like we had access to the closed circuit um, television for all of uh, DC, the area. So we could see if something were to happen, we could put it on the screen. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that, that is cool. It's probably pretty rewarding too, especially, you know, given that guard mission, but you're doing an out of state mission. It's different when we deploy, right? And that's as a, as a reserve component, we will we'll deploy and we're no longer attached to Maine, you know, but when you're going to DC, still stateside, and you're doing a mission outside of the state of Maine, but still within the United States, that's kind of cool. It's not usually, a, that's not usually a thing unless it's like a training thing for the rest of us. So that's, that's pretty neat. So I'll, I mean, and all joking aside, you know, and I do call it the Batmobile, but all joking aside, the, the capabilities of this thing is pretty crazy. And I've heard you talk about it. I've heard Chief McDonald talk about it. You know, in times, the times that we're in right now, you know, this communication is, has never been needed more. Than, than, than right now, at least in my lifetime, you know, in our, in our lifetime, you and I are the same age, especially with the pandemic. And have you guys had anything, any sort of response or any kind of requests or? Um, initially, there were some requests that were kind of floating around. Um, currently, we, um, my supervisor, Chief uh, McDonald, he's tasked at the Joint Operations Center in Augusta. And then one of my airmen, Staff Sergeant uh, Brad Jameson, He's also tasked uh, to the main state EOC, and they've been there since late March, and more or less they're um, doing a lot of coordination between um, the state of Maine requests for what they need for PPE, uh, equipment, you know, whatever is being requested. They do a lot of the coordination to make sure that they can see the request through, they can vet it, or they can shut it off and say, well, we can't support that. Wow, so you guys literally have like your fingers dipped in the coffee pot. Like you guys are right, like your, your, the people you work with are head on with this, like with everything going on. That's pretty crazy. A absolutely. Like I know Chief and uh, Sergeant Jameson, they, the CDC director, they're in meetings with him. They're, you know, 
going back and forth. They see each other, you know, periodically through the day. So, I mean, with the pandemic, absolutely. Um, and we've had some other taskings. We have a, um, a Seaburn response trailer, actually um, went to a couple of uh, nursing homes recently, well, it was probably uh, two months ago. And we had, we were part of um, the team that was actually doing the fit tests. So we brought the trailer, they gave the team that doing the fit test the opportunity, you know, to work out of something. And we were there all day. And I can't remember how many people they fit tested. It was like 100 or 150 people. But just having that asset over there um, to aid them in getting that job done, they said it made a big difference just because they had a place to stage out of. It's got to be a rewarding feeling knowing that you're making a difference and you're in the fight every day. Not to say that the rest the rest of us aren't, but with, with you guys essentially on the on the front lines of this this pandemic thing that's that's pretty crazy i feel like that'd be pretty rewarding i can say one thing is being in emergency management every day is a little bit different it's not always the standard i mean we got some stuff that you have to do irregardless but you never know well, what one day i could be dealing with em reps next day i could be in a hazmat suit the day after that I could be teaching a Seaburn class. I've found it rewarding. I, I take a lot of pride in what we do. You know, I'm lucky enough to work full time, wear the uniform uh, a lot of the time, but I mean, I take a lot of pride. You know, each deployment, you get, you know, you get to work on some skills you don't get at home station, um, meet new people, do a lot of different stuff. And I, from what I used to do in the civilian side, which was like, you know, uh, mechanical, and I worked at a grocery store. At the end of the day, or, you know, I just have a lot more pride about what I'm doing. And I appreciate that. I mean, as veterans, we all stand on each other's shoulders. So, I mean, I also serve because, you know, I have um, three uncles that were served in the military, you know, two were Vietnam veterans. So just trying to think of that, you know, hey, got to have a little bit of pride in that. And, you know, just to keep on going on. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Just from an outsider's perspective and listening to some of the classes that we've been in on with you, with you guys, you guys have a lot a lot of training that you guys have to do. And you guys got to keep up on a lot of training too. We just did our annual hazmat refresher training. So we put the fully encapsulated suit on. And what we decided to do for training is, say you take like a oxyacetylene tank or like the tank they use to uh, refill or fill up balloons. And we simulate there's gas coming out of it by putting water into in, into the tank and filling it but basically there's a hole in the side of it we need to patch on top basically we have to cap the top of it to prevent the leak and me just saying that seems like it's pretty simple it's actually very dis, uh, difficult to say the least um because one you're in a hazmat suit you can't see anything um you have water all over you you get hot everything steams up so uh, sometimes it's very challenging. Um, I mean, we have been through the chemical defense training facility. At this point, I've been through twice. So that's where we actually put on our gas mask and you know our, our mop gear and go in and actually detect real VX, real sarin. So that gives us confidence in what we're wearing and what we're teaching people. Yeah. Actually is effective. Right. So I didn't walk out of there twitching. Yeah. So right. it must be doing something right. That's wild. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know you guys did that. That's pretty crazy. We typically uh, FEMA courses like ICS 300, 400, which are the, the really big ones. Like they um, get you trained 
So for a big incident, like a hurricane or a regional, you know, um, disaster. Uh, I've been uh, out to the Nevada National Test Site. So that's where we did all our, our nuclear testing. We still do some of it, but not on a big scale and took a radiological course out there. So got to, um, they have like, you know, a whole like, um, I said development or whatever, and you actually go detect like real radiation and, you know, it was kind of neat standing at ground zero of an atomic bomb going off. Yeah. You know, and just kind of look like probably, you, yeah, probably neat and scary a little bit too. Yeah, it's neat and scary at the same time, you know. And Area 51's not too far away. Yeah, we're at actually crazy. at Area 52, so huh. that was that's pretty neat. Wow, like I said earlier, your your career field is super diverse. Like I, I feel like there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot that people don't realize that they don't get to work with you or photograph or video you guys. Like they don't know, like with us, like we're spoiled because we have to follow you guys around sometimes, but we don't the majority of the base and the public may not know that we that you guys even exist and that you guys have the capabilities that you have. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. For the most part, when it comes to emergency management, military and civilian, not until something happens do they say, hey, I think I know this guy. And then we show up with all our stuff, you know, our gear, or we're working in the emergency operations center to support the incident commander boots on the ground. So, I mean, basically something happens we show up and we're like, all right, we got this. And everyone's like, okay, that's great. Cause I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows about the, the Ghostbusters until they meet the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what did you do on your three deployments? So essentially within my three deployments, um, they've all been a little bit different. Like Iraq was a combat zone. So we did um, their actual real time, um, like real hazmat. Um, missions such as the um, Iraqi Joint Military Mail Terminal. Um, so if they sent the wrong uh, package with the wrong address, it'd go over to the Iraqi side. Well then before it could be given out to the um, U.S. service members on the Victory Base uh, complex, we had to actually, we had a bomb dog come through and then we actually went down in hazmat suits and was checking for radiation, chemicals, all that stuff. And that was pretty, it was pretty unique and it was real world. I mean, and people were depending on us to make sure that this stuff hadn't been tampered with. Uh, we also, part of our job was, um, if there's any indirect fire on the base, our job is to do reconnaissance uh, routes, runner routes on the base to make sure there's no unexploded ordnance. So we'd go and make sure that the roads were clear. Um, and then it was actually really important because everything stopped. So as soon as we get everything clear, um, all those specialized teams did their post-attack reconnaissance around their buildings. We'd go in and uh, basically into the EOC, say, hey, we're all clear, and then we can start generating aircraft and aircraft landing, so on and so forth. So that was a big part of it, uh, maintaining readiness. You know, we did a lot of training as well while we were there. Like, hey, if this happens, this what the base population should be doing reviewing plans, make sure that we're operating effectively and efficiently, um, and just maintaining readiness. That's our biggest thing. Like we need to be ready, make sure everyone's ready, you know, for whatever may come. Iraq, every tour has been different. Like Kuwait, it was uh, more based on readiness. Okay, all right, we're good to go. Um, essentially, they had like biological sensors all periodically through the base, um, and they were automated. 
So if those popped hot, we would go respond out to it to make sure that it, you know, wasn't a false positive. And then if something did pop hot positive, basically we have to do the chain of custody and then it gets really serious, like where people, they're looking into, okay, what happened on this base and why um, was, you know, was it, um, you know, basically the bad guys trying to, you know, get one over on us or, or you know, it could be either or. So, but our biggest thing is be ready and just make sure we're prepared for whatever may come. Uh, for part of our job, like, we have to see wherever we're located, like in theater and say, okay, what are our adversaries have that can affect this base here? So we're thinking, like the big picture, okay, do they have uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles? Can they breach here? And if they do reach here, how are we gonna handle that? You know, how we're gonna, you know, there's initial response, okay, recovery, do we need build bunkers? You know, obviously we in EM, we're not gonna be physically building the bunkers, but depending on the threat, we're gonna say, well, per these, this many people in this location, we need this many bunkers. There you go. It all goes back to that networking thing. So you, you guys yourselves don't build them, but you know who to contact to build them. Absolutely. It seems like it's, uh, I don't know, and I may be, be over-exemplifying it, I guess, in a way. There's a lot to it. I've always thought that, again, about you guys' career, but there's a lot to your job, and there's, there's a lot that's expected of you guys. And I can imagine, like you said, at the end of the day, whether you're in Kuwait or you're in Iraq or you're in Maine, when your head hits the pillow that night, you can feel that sense of accomplishment, like you said earlier, and you know that you, what you did that day made a difference or that you're preparing to make a difference. Not everybody can say that, unfortunately, and that, that's pretty cool that you guys can do that. I have one last question. My question is, um, in your 12 years that you've been, you've been in uniform, what, um, what is the, your biggest takeaway? So I think the biggest takeaway for me is um, when I was in high school, all my friends joined, went active duty army. And I said, you know, military's stupid. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to college. So, well, I went to college, played soccer at Husson, and basically my sophomore year, I got in a bunch of trouble, like legal stuff. You know, basically driving away from the cops is not a good idea. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Tr trust me, firsthand experience here. And so more or less, you know, I'm kind of working a dead end job. I got, had that stuff go down and I was, used to be like a straight, like a, a pretty much a straight shooter. And I got in all this trouble and, you know, local community kind of looked at me like, you know, why would you ever do this? That's, you know, and I worked in a supermarket. So everyone I knew, you know, was in there and, you know, how could you do this? And, you know, why would you ever do this? so on and so forth. So that kind of beat me down quite a bit. I'm like, you know, very ashamed of it. And so for me, I wanted to kind of make it right. So I said, well, what's the best way I can give back to the community? Give, show people that I'm not this terrible, horrible person, you know, whatever. So I started looking around. And at this time I had no idea the guard existed. And um, someone mentioned it to me. And I was like, oh, cool. So put my application in it was quite the process but um I they you know let me uh enlist gave me a bonus so that was awesome my biggest takeaway is the pride of um just serving uh help working with the local community um just giving back that's my biggest takeaway is you know I kind of took something um 
when I was younger, did something stupid, and this is just kind of proof that, hey, you know what? Turn my life around, I'm doing things to help other people, and I think that's, that's why I'm still here and I'm still serving. Yeah, well, based off what you've told me in this interview and you know the stories that you've shared and the experience that you've you've talked about, I'm sure that you've given back and more and then some, you know. So that, that's that's huge. That's cool. Is there anything you want to add? I think I'm good. I've covered a lot of stuff. I mean, I mm-hmm. probably didn't cover everything. No, no. Because our career field, <clears throat> we do a little bit of everything, you know. So you know, if anybody's listening who's interested in this career field, and anybody who wants to uh, ask more questions, can they can they get hold of you? Ask ask you directly. Absolutely. The first thing I think of when I see you guys or hear you guys talk is training. It's like my God, these guys have got to go through and keep up on all these crazy regs and crazy training. I can't imagine. We followed you guys around in Germany and Hawaii and seeing what you guys do, and it's pretty wild. So, but anyway, yeah. So thanks for stopping by and thanks for talking yeah, with no us. No problem. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks again to Tech Sergeant Luke Marquis for coming in to talk to us about EM. A lot of training goes into his job, a lot of responsibility. If that's something you're into, be sure to hit him up for more information. Let's talk about the Freedom Award real quick. Did you know that service members can nominate their employers for the Defense Employer Support Freedom Award? And what does that do? It's the highest honor that the DOD gives to employers for supporting National Guard and Reserve employees. The employers that are chosen for the award exemplify what it means to go above and beyond federal requirements in support of military employees. So, do you have an employer who has remained flexible and understanding throughout your years in service? You know, it's not easy employing a guardsman or a reservist. That guy or gal could be deployed at a moment's notice. The support civilian employers give should not go unnoticed. So get on the ball and nominate them. Show them that their support does not go unnoticed. Another thing I want to talk about is keeping focus on our COVID-19 mitigation procedures. And it's simple. Wear a mask. Maintain six feet of social distancing. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. And wear a mask. Disinfect surfaces often, especially those that are frequently touched by other people. And wear a mask. And lastly, do not come to work sick. Talk to your supervisor. They'll understand. Oh, and uh, wear a mask. Let's mask up maniacs. That's the right thing to do. Drill is here, and be sure to make the most of it. Train, be trained, be ready. Head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Give those a like or a follow. Head over to the recruiting equivalent pages and give those a like or a follow. Tell your friends, tell your family about them. Help spread the good word on the Maine Air National Guard tuition assistance, healthcare, skills and trades. Seems like a good deal to me. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. That's important. Goodbye for now.